Hello and welcome to Cruising with Doris Visits with me, Jean Hurd. And me, Stuart St. Paul. Cruising with Doris Visits is a fun cruise podcast where today we're talking excursions. You mean a day out? Exactly. A day out from a ship is often called an excursion. (laughs) It can be a long walk without a set of golf clubs. (laughs) The way I play golf, probably better for all concerned if I don't take the golf clubs. But some people do get confused about excursions, the need for them and what to do on port days. Absolutely. There are cruisers who have cruised for years who have never really explored beyond what is offered by the ship or is in the immediate port. And there are those cruisers that explore, and that's a problem. Yes, because they sometimes are late back. Yes, that's the drawback. If you're apt to lose track of time and are not naturally a punctual person, you can do that. But let's start by saying that the ship excursions are safe because you can't miss the ship. Missing the ship is a problem. It's a big problem because it'll leave without you. A ship organised tour waits for its tours to come back, but it doesn't wait for individuals or private tours if they arrive back late. Actually, shall we start with a horror story? No, horror stories were last week in Halloween and I enjoyed them. But let's save that story of a couple missing the ship for next week because that was in Hawaii. And next week, we'll take you to Pearl Harbour and it happened there. OK, breaking it down, a ship is just a hotel. The only difference is... You can't go out on the sea day. Unless you want to swim. It would be some swim. So let's not. A sea day is when you come and see someone like us in the theatre or play bridge, do arts and crafts. Or you can dance or shop, just like you would in any small town or large holiday hotel. The port day, you go ashore. Either by tender... That means the lifeboats that ferry you into the port. And we've got a great film on what tender services on our youtube.com slash at Doris Visits Cruise channel. I love walking around the port. Some people instantly run for Wi-Fi. And our films sometimes reveal where the free Wi-Fi is. Like in Martinique, the free Wi-Fi is in the library. In Oslo, it's in the Opera House Café. Also, new cruisers often ask us if they need an excursion at every port. Certainly not. Some ports are fantastic just to visit, like Rhodes. Or Copenhagen. That uses a shuttle bus. That's the term for a coach that takes you from the ship to the city. Or maybe just out of the port for safety reasons. Some ships dock in container ports. And there are lots of things to do, including a free walking tour. We've got loads of ideas on dorisvisits.com. Yeah, you can find your port there in the Doris Visits website. Sometimes you just want to get to the beach. And often the best and cheapest way is the public bus. Meet our friend Martin in Antigua. Right, hello, this is Martin and this is the West Bus Terminal, St. John's, Antigua. And if you want to know any bus, you anywhere around, you can come and see us and I'm ready to help. We're going to Jolly Harbour today, so it's Route 20 from the bus station. The buses are very similar to those in Barbados and it will cost you seven Caribbean dollars for two of you. The bus took about 20 minutes to the beach. It's the end of the line and it cost about a pound. It's right by this supermarket and then you go down through the gate to the beach. So, so far, my Antigua beach trips cost me a pound. So, 
two chairs and a parasol will cost you 50 Eastern Caribbean dollars, which is about 15 pounds. This bar is called Castaway. We're going to have an Indian meal. They've got sport TV and Wi-Fi. Oh my goodness, that Indian food was delicious. Totally recommend it. So the taxi here cost other cruisers 30 US dollars. It cost us four, so the food was free. The same bus garage can take you to Nelson's Dockyard. Which has a beach adjacent to it. I loved Nelson's Dockyard, and so do a lot of other people. Over half of the people on our bus were from our cruise ship. When you leave the ship, walk up the road, and at the crossroads on the left, there's an ATM. Wait there to change your money. It's safer. Even if there's a queue, it's very quick. And the machine is really quick. It reads your card, gives it straight back. After you've got your money, walk up the road towards the bus garage. Come this way. So the big grey one at the front is going to Nelson's Dockyard. All the way to Nelson's Dockyard costs $7 for two. There are many ways of getting here and one of the ship's excursions has just arrived by boat. This is where you get your rum punch. Rum punch. Nelson's Dockyard is really relaxing. There are little restaurants and bars. This one has been set for a private lunch and above it you see Shirley Heights. So Shirley Heights is a lookout onto Nelson's Dockyard. It's got a hotel there, but it does cost you $10 up and $10 back. So it's up to you. The boatyard was built in 1797. Boats with damaged sails would come in and the sails would be hoisted up for repair. There's a museum in Nelson's Boatyard that tells you all about the history of Nelson. This already feels like a great day out. It's eight US dollars to come into the dockyard and keep the tickets because you need them for Shirley Heights. I think Nelson's Dockyard is a very pleasant place to come. If you've seen Nelson's Dockyard and you want to go to the beach, come down to the red and white building, go all the way up the hill and then turn left all the way down to the beach. If you're looking for a natural Caribbean beach, take the trip to Nelson's Dockyard and walk here. It's paradise. Antigua is said to be the only beach in the world where Her Majesty the Queen went into the sea. I think that was in Discovery Bay. Yeah, Elizabeth II visited the country three times in 1966, 1977 and 1985. In 2016, she paid special tribute to the nation, saying, It's been a great privilege for me to watch Antigua and Barbuda develop into the confident country it is today, with a strong national identity and a positive outlook. So let's go back to excursions. Excursions don't just have to be to forts or beaches in the Caribbean. The growing craze is for a very well-organised and well-run rainforest park with various things to do. We visited one in St Lucia. If you hear a bleeping sound, it's not a mobile phone, it's a tree frog. That's the frog with the... We had a little rainfall last night, so the rainforest is a little wet and also very slippery. Number one things, please do not pick up anything from the forest floor. The hike is about three hours long. We're gonna be going a mile and a quarter in, a mile and a quarter back like down. There are three activities here. There's the skyline, which doesn't take any effort. 
there's the zip line, which is going to take a lot of adrenaline, and there's the height, which is going to wear you out. The guys are very knowledgeable, and you can ask them anything. Yes, it is a fruit. This is just a small version of it right now. It gets very, it gets like four or five times the size of this. The water in the ravine is being collected and goes to community in Barbano. So this is where Barbano they get their water from. They treat the water and then that water is being distributed in our parks in our home. There are several varieties of snakes in the forest, which is why I've been looking down a lot of the time, because there's a boa constrictor and a poisonous one. So it makes me a bit nervous. Um, they're gondola, gondola area tram. It's a tour as well. You go a mile and a quarter in, mile and a quarter right there. There's a termite mound there, very high in protein. In every three feet of the vine, you can get one liter of drinking water. But the vine has to be the size of your wrist, no bigger, no small. They also do a zip line at night called a Luna, and apparently on every platform you see a tarantula. There are three things you can do here. There's the hike, there's two zip line experiences, one with eight lines and one with nine lines, or there's an airway so you can see the rainforest. There are great facilities, ample toilets, there's a cafe and a shop. All in all, it's a brilliant experience. Some ships have zip lines. And go-kart tracks. And climbing walls. And skyride bikes. And flume slides down from deck 16. But they don't have active volcanoes. Do you remember going to the one in St Lucia? I do. I do. And I remember the smell. And one of the funniest lines I have ever heard on a cruise. If you see me running, follow me. This is an active volcano and all the mountains around it are the rim. So this could erupt. And the type of volcano we're in, it is called a caldera. The area used to be a cone-shaped mountain. Because of all the heat and the pressure, the actual crater could not sustain itself. Within 32 to 39,000 years ago, this crater imploded into the magma chamber. So this caldera is not only here, but covers approximately 12 square kilometers. The unpleasant smell, the rotten egg smell you are welcome by, it is called hydrogen sulfide H2S gas. That is very poisonous where the concentration is very low. That is why we're smelling rotten eggs. Higher concentrations, that gas is odorless. It gets heavier than air, taking away oxygen from your body and that can kill you instantly. Like what happened in the city of Pompeii in Italy. So having the smell is good. No smell, it is bad. So if you see I'm running, you follow. <laughs> so this is the crater in the volcano, it absolutely stinks of bad eggs, but a problem, that's supposed to be good. What The problem comes when the smell goes away and then the volcano is about to erupt. The water comes from directly on the ground and that temperature is 115 degrees Fahrenheit, 45 Celsius. This is where they apply the mud all over. The waters here are proven to be good for the skin and the joints. It's good for eczema, mosquito bites, rheumatism, sunbeds, acne. We also call this what is the fountain of youth. When you're going away, take a few old paperbacks to leave on the book swap table. Where you are likely to be able to pick one up if everybody does that. 
I'm going to take the new book by Catherine Cooper, a Sunday Times best-selling author of The Chalet. It's a story where a neighbour is murdered at a lavish party in an expat community. Uh, uh, what's wrong with one of my books? Nothing. It's just I've read all your books, even the one that's just released. I love to imagine your books as action films. You write very filmatically, if that's a word. I guess that's probably because I did spend 40 years in the movie industry. <laughs> um, Cruise Traffic is in paperback and on Kindle this week. And the audiobook will be out before Christmas. And in the meantime, we have the online shop now in the menu on dorisvisits.com. And although there's not much in there yet, I'm enjoying adding the T-shirts. They're held at zero profit until after Christmas. They are at the tea mill cost. And Catherine Cooper's book is listed there with a link. So tell us about the book you're going to read from Catherine Cooper. Well, it's a pacey thriller, a glamorous ship, a mysterious cast of passengers and a New Year's Eve party that goes horribly wrong when a dancer goes missing. A dancer has a problem in cruise ship heist, which we are reading after each podcast. And there's also a link today in the associated blog for A Cruise Book at Bedtime, which is the same book read on YouTube. So if you want to jump ahead and go faster than we are on the podcast, there it is on A Cruise Book at Bedtime on YouTube. The whole book is available free. And we also have the film guides of the Caribbean ports listed. I like Pacey Thrillers. I look forward to her new book, The Cruise, when you finished it. There aren't many of you authors who write thrillers on a cruise ship, are there? Well, i tell you why that might be. And that's because there really is no money in writing books. And a lot of work goes into doing that. So I think everybody, certainly me, is aiming at the film deal, not the book deal, as it were. So to make a major film on a cruise ship that moves location to location to location appears to be expensive. Meaning you don't think it would be? Well, no. i tell you why. Because one of the biggest costs on a film is hotel accommodation and food constantly all day long. Because film crews work 12-hour days and they demand a choice of foods, vegetarian meat, fish. And it's like being on a cruise ship. There is food and a huge salad bar. So... My argument has been with the accountants who keep telling me it would be too expensive, is that they are hoteled and fed as they would be expected. So therefore, it could be cheaper. Ah, so there are savings. Yeah. Let's get back to our excursions. And at Doris Visits, we like to bring you the unusual when we can. Jean loves the St. Vincent Island of Bequay. On St. Vincent itself, there is only one white sand beach. And when the moon is right... Oh, don't start with the spooky again. Schools of baby fish come in. <laughs> and whole families, young and old alike, go into the water with buckets and they're fishing for these millions of fish. I remember we caught this by chance and it's our all-time most popular cruise port film. Get some salt with yeah. some onion and some garlic. Yeah. A little tip of black pepper. Yeah. And some curry and yeah. you... You can put some sive in them too and some flour and you mix them and fry. And so that's a local dish? Yeah. We call us chichi. Thank you, Ruth. <laughs> so this is how they catch the chichi that Ruth in the market was selling. Gotta get a bag. Yeah. Put it down in the water with stones around. Uh-huh. And you put the back 
branches on. Yeah. So it's it's and then little fishes will swim onto it. The small fish swim into the leaves of the palm. So they take the rocks out that hold the nets down and then they pick up the ferns and then they shake them to make sure that all the fish are left in. There isn't much, so you have to leave it like until a little later on this um, tonight. Um, maybe by morning, you should have a lot of Is this for you to eat or do you take it to market to sell? Some people take it inside, some people eat it. This really is a family business. I love those dinner. you know, when you've got 12 people around a dinner table on a cruise ship and and you've never met any of them before. Sometimes they ask, you know, how many times do we have crews a year as as sort of guest artists? One year we were expecting our first grandchild. Yes, I remember that well. (laughs) Yes. And we planned the date of the expected grandchild between two cruises in a two-week gap. Well, that was our plans, but our little Heidi didn't, go along with our plans. So we were sitting on the plane ready to take off for Barbados and I get a text from my son saying that his wife has gone into labour. Well, I was beside myself. You were in labour for the whole eight-hour flight. I could have given birth on that (laughs) flight. As soon as we touched down, I turned my phone on and bless her, she'd had the baby. But I was very miserable for the whole of the cruise because I wanted to be at home with my new little granddaughter. And and while we were cruising uh, on this particular Caribbean cruise, we were on the... Which ship were we on? Was it, was it the Azura? Yeah. And we went to Amber Cove and it's famous for... Amber Stones. Jurassic Park. Oh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, right. but, well, because that's where the little insect was captured that's inside right. yes. the, the gel of the amber. Elam come from three sap, but the three no more, so those three disappear. The sap also used to be like honey, very sweet and sticky. When the insect tried to eat it, they were trapped. And after, the sap drew down very deep on the ground, so we had to polish. Right. Also here we got 10 different colors, but the most space is the blue. So the blue ember, it has volcano ash. Here we got 10 colors. In Europe, we had just three. We have a little lizard. So the lizard is so yeah. 50 yeah. million years. Also is our logo at Jurassic Park. Also, 10% of Jurassic Park was made in Dominican Republic. This is an oversized replica of a prehistoric lizard preserved in amber. And the real one is in the Amber Museum in Porto Plata. So next to the amber lizard is the Amber Coast Larimar shop, where you can come and see Marcelino. And you can buy the amber and he'll tell you all about it. With the light, it doesn't change anything, right? Yeah. Just can go through. Yeah. Come to this piece. Oh, yes. You see? It goes blue. Yeah, it's very unique. It's only found here in the area. Okay, so time for David. We've waffled on enough today, David, so see if you can skip through this quickly without a joke. Oh, no, we must have a joke. I think I'm addicted to Twitter. And do you know what my doctor said? He said, I don't follow you. Anyway... The most popular take-it-easy talk that I do on cruise ships is called Beat the Scammers. And in that, we look at current scams and how to avoid them. Well, one of the tips I share in that talk is this. If you get a 
spammy type of text message, you can report it to your mobile phone company by forwarding it to 7726. But, I can hear you say, why on earth 7726? I can't remember that number. Why not something much simpler? Well, 7726 was chosen for a reason. If you look at your phone's keypad, you'll see some letters just above or just below the numbers. And the word SPAM, S-P-A-M, happens to be on the same buttons as the numbers 7726. So the next time you get a SPAM text message, forward it to SPAM or 7726 and your phone company will deal with it. Hopefully they'll block it. And then you can take it easy. See what I did there? Anyway, hope that's useful and hope to see you sometime soon on a cruise. And now it's time for Chapter 4 of Cruise Ship Heist. At the end of Chapter 3, a woman Kieran has previously seen on the plane has just been arrested by armed guards and he is keeping very quiet because he wants to get on the cruise ship. Chapter 4. Down Dog A large officer scans her passport and papers as another pushes the yapping drug dock from the table and unzips her case, with the panache of a magician ending his act. Whatever they were expecting to find in her inexpensive luggage isn't there, and their expression is not just disappointment but one of anger. This means they were expecting to find something. The officers turn their backs on those two and approach our line. Behind them, the released women stride out, but very separately. The local woman angrily passes through the exit, whereas the British-looking military woman stops and glances back. She was confident of her release. I wish I was. Especially here in South America, where power is money and those with guns are officials. She is looking back at me. Does she suspect it's me thereafter? I feel vulnerable and exposed. Why on earth fly me into Costa Rica? Why am I even on this cruise? Why am I getting on the ship here for a job in Panama? My mind is racing because the police here don't need an excuse to arrest you. Nothing can be taken for granted, least of all freedom. The officers inspect those in front of me, one by one, and I have flashbacks of being tortured. I'm not on holiday. My beautiful translator is back in my ear, waking me from my momentary nightmare, picking up on the earlier conversation when I helped her. I hesitate. There's still a side of me that doesn't want to open up, even though there's no reason to withhold anything now. I'm a normal human being, well, trying. Me neither, I whisper without moving my lips, leaving her eyes boring into me for more information. What does she want? I know if I tell her I was a soldier, she'll ask me the usual boring questions. Have I ever been shot? Been in Iraq? Then the deal breaker that everybody wants to ask. Have you ever killed anyone? There is no answer they can cope with. My smile's not coming out to play. Not now. But that's not stopping her full-scale intrusion into my personal life. The crowd in front are being pushed through slowly. I'm here to see my daughter, I say, without turning back towards her. 
my admission was probably a deal-breaker, undoubtedly the worst thing I could have said in a search for romance. I should find love and settle down. That's what my daughter keeps telling me. But maybe she just wants a mother figure. Despite being sent out to defend Queen and Country with accuracy, this is where I miss fire. With women. Eyes front, I tell myself. No wife? She demands in a sexy tone. I'm imagining it. I twist just enough to sense she's looking past me, not at me. No, I say, hoping it's enough. But her smile is a question, and I feel she'll make all of Port Limon customs wait for me until she's got my story. Maybe she is a customs official, and this is a honey trap, a very expensively dressed honey trap. Single dad? I like. She's not giving up the interrogation. If we were in a bar, she would be buying me a drink. This is her third approach to me. I've become the entertainment. Yes and no, I say, watching the officers advancing with their dog, restraining its eagerness with the short lead. It pulls the officer in and out of people just in front of us. This lady, she's still around but not your wife? She tilts her head, edging a little closer. Her tone has changed. Is that impatience? There is no she or wife, I add. Gay dad, she enthuses. Why has that excited her? Gay? Is that how I come over? I turn away and edge my weight to the old couple in front of me, whose case I also lifted down. Are you all right? I ask the short old couple, who are looking very worried. They edge back as the dog and the officers pass us, then jump as the dog barks excitedly, drawing everyone's attention. It gives me permission to turn. The officers manhandle the Latina and her cases away from the queue. I wait for hands to grab my shoulder and pull me away too, but nothing. I dodged that metaphorical bullet by a split second. My sixth sense still works. The officers forcefully present the Latina to the table, hands down. The tall, military-like woman I thought was looking out for me earlier is still by the exit silhouetted by the bright sunlight from the outside. She acknowledges me and leaves as if content that she now knows I'm safe. How strange. Was she waiting to help me if it kicked off in the same way as my adrenaline built as she was questioned? A good police or customs guard may have detained me too for the interaction, but not these guards. These are rough and ready security, often the most dangerous and trigger-happy. The Spanish beauty is at the table, the dog jumping at her three cases, barking. Hold on. She had four cases before. What game is being played? I look back to the trolley, the floor. No fourth case. I look to the exit. But the tall woman has gone. I don't remember her having a red case. I try to understand the rushed Spanish of the interrogation officers, but I can't. Barking aloud, the black mutt is the star of the show. I never got to know her name, but her body language has changed. Her bag is unzipped, a thin top layer of clothing removed. A false base is way too high. It is ripped up with a flick knife, revealing blocks of tightly packed $100 bills. 
The crowd gasp like an audience, and rather than curtsy to them, the woman stays focused on the guards. She knows she's in trouble. She must be a courier. The dead body she was sitting next to on the plane now seems suspicious. Too much here does not make sense. If you like the book and you want to skip ahead, on the Doris Visits website under podcasts, look for A Cruise Book at Bedtime. A couple of chapters are read every night on YouTube and you can listen to the book there. Thanks for joining us. Next week is Remembrance Sunday and we'll visit a few ports which have significance as well as some other places. Please join us. Bye. See you then.